This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is sponsored by Siberia Bar and Hotel on Bellman Street, Aberdeen. Located only 30 seconds walk away from the nearest bus stop, taking supporters to Pataudry for free on match days. Siberia Bar and Hotel is open seven days a week, all year round, and get fired in with our exclusive discounts. Head to the bar and quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pound of Foster's, a £4 for a pint of Moretti or Dark Fruits, or £5 for a pint of Fierce or a Daiquiri any day of the week, including match days. Come on, you Reds. Red slight of foot there. Hello and welcome along to episode 133 of the ABZ Football Podcast. I'm your host, Gary Scott, and it's back to full strength again this week for the ABZ FP as I'm joined by Gavin J. Baxter and Graham Steele Gents. How's it going? Good, thank you. I am ecstatic. Take another one off the list in the ABZ Football Podcast when I'm about to review as winning a semi-final. Fuck yeah, and everyone's thought about that. Things we've yet to do, but here we go. In a week that saw Stephen Naismith apparently utterly bemused to find that you don't get decisions when you play Sevco in Glasgow, that saw it all becoming a bit too much for one Morton fan, resulting in a crusty pie gracing the capital field early doors, and one that appears as though Craig Levine is about to get back in the bloody game. Isn't it about time? And not a moment too soon. <laughs> Just when you thought St. Johnston were turgid enough to watch before. Well, when you can't get Davy Martindale, go for original Davy Martindale. That's it. Absolutely. It's going to be another relatively busy one, I think, on the ABZ FP tonight as we look back at our 1-0 win over Hibernian on Saturday evening as the Dandy Dons booked out a return to Hamden for the CIS Insurance Cup final in December. We'll check in with the Lonies and Lone Watch. We'll check in with the young team in the Quines as they return to action and after the break. We'll bring you our preview of, well, the first part of what is another huge week for the Dons as they travel to Greece on Thursday night. But first, Hibs nil, Aberdeen won Saturday the 4th of November 2023. Hamden Park, the National Stadium in the Bells League Cup semi-final. One change for Barry Robson from the side that produced a fine display at Fir Park on Wednesday evening. Dante Povara dropping to the bench with Connor Barron coming back into the starting lineup. Four changes for Hibs, who had the benefit of an additional day's rest after their 2-2 draw with Ross County. David Marshall, Martin Boyle, New and Obita all coming back into their team. And it was the Dons who did have the brighter opening to the game. Jamie McGrath doing well to dispossess Miller, who fell on his arse. More of that to come later. McGrath's ball into Miofsky saw the striker's effort deflected pass for a corner. Shortly afterwards, Connor Barron had to act smartly on 10 minutes. Hibbs breaking at pace after a Don's free kick came to nothing. Barron tracking the run of Boyle stride for stride in the middle of the park, and he was just able to get a toe to deflect the crossball from a Yuan over the bar. Yuan then should have put Hibbs ahead on 15 minutes. Hibbs working a corner back into the box well, but his effort was wild and over the top. Gartenman with a big block to deny a Tavares effort on 19 minutes as Hibbs began to take control of the game. Gartenman again needed to block from Boyle in the 30-minute mark before Newell shot straight at Roos just before halftime. At halftime, 0-0, a game 
devoid of much quality up to that point into the second half. Hibbs starting the second half brightly. Nicky Devlin with what was an unbelievable clearance to turn a Miller cross behind his own goal when it looked easier to knock one into his own net. Hibbs thought they had the lead on 49 minutes. A simple long ball by Fish exposing the Don's backline and Boyle took it down and finished past Roost. But after a lengthy VAR check, it turned out that the boot polish he did Aberdonian was a good yard offside. The game remained nil-nil. And as it turned out, that was a wonderfully executed offside line. Arsenal, early 90s, eat your heart out. Devlin then, with another massive block, this time to deny Yuan as the ball just spun past the post. Dante Povaro on for Connor Barron in the aftermath of that chance. And with 16 minutes remaining, disaster for the Dons. Mackenzie getting involved stupidly with Miller on the near side touchline. And the Dons wing back took the bait, pushing Miller off the ball. And John Beaton had little option but to issue a second yellow card. And Mackenzie was off. And just when you thought... It was all over. A moment of real magic that will live long in the memory of the Aberdeen support. Shinny seizing possession deep in his own half before driving forward, winning a tussle with Miller before the ball broke to Povara. His weighted pass was inch perfect to send me obviously scampering way past Dylan Levitt and he steadied himself before finishing superbly low beyond Marshall into the far corner to, spe- to spark scenes of absolute pandemonium in the Dons end. Richard Jensen next put his body on the line, an unreal tackle to nip the ball off of Yuan's toes before the hip striker could get his shot away. A tackle which was about as good as the goal itself. Miofsky should have made it two on 83 minutes, working his way into the box. His attempt to chip Marshall was, let's just call it the incorrect choice. Maybe you just want to put your laces through Boyan. Miofsky then off for Sokler after two minutes of injury time. The Dons eventually seeing out the seven minutes of added time comfortably and we are in the final on the 17th of December to take on Sevco at Hamden Park the first time that these two sides have ever met each other in a domestic cup final of course on the data front uh, possession Hebs 48% to Aberdeen's 52% shots 10 to 2 in favour of the Edinburgh side but shots on target 2 to 3 in favour of the good guys so boys Gav you just touched on it. it's the first time we've had an opportunity to talk about a semi-final victory on this podcast before we get into a bit more detail on the game itself yes we didn't play particularly well but as i said on radio scott on the saturday morning in a cup semi-final doesn't really matter does it it's just all about making it to hamden for the final and we've done just that you know what it would be fantastic to be on this show espousing to the listeners about the most scintillating football ever played in a scottish league cup semi-final uh, 3-0 smashing from the Dons to Hibs. But you know what? There's something just <laughs> incredibly satisfying about a shithouse heist of the century 1-0 victory in the way of the Dons against a team who probably on the balance didn't deserve to get that result. So I am delighted. I'm like Graham, you know, when it comes to these things, the result is all that matters. And despite being under some pressure at times despite going to 10 men the players that were left on the pitch they they fought for the badge and they got us that result and it gives us a chance to go ahead and win the scottish league cup once more yeah i'm quite enjoying looking through the <laughs> comments and everyone mourning about how rubbish i'm not necessarily fans but everyone mourning about how bad we are but we were still better than hibs graham i know you hate the tiredness excuse but maybe maybe here a bit of understanding about why our performance was a little bit lethargic compared to Hibs. As Robson said, this one was our fourth game 
in uh, nine games. Hibs, their third and seven. Hibs also did have the, the benefit of an extra day of rest between their midweek game and this one. They also did try to take the opportunity to try and rest players during their draw with Ross County. We are perhaps still becoming a little bit too reliant on the core group here, aren't we? I mean, there's only one change from the uh, the team that won handsomely at Fir Park on Wednesday night. That was bad and for Povara. You've got to remember, them as well, we don't have a huge squad. We don't have the money to spend on a huge squad, but he's been very well backed. <laughs> I'm not going to say too much other than anyone involved with the club, the manager included, is always banging on about how we're Aberdeen and we should be competitive and we should be competing for trophies. So now that we're in various competitions, all of us in sudden, it seems to be a big problem. Uh, so I don't accept it. Um, they've known about this for long enough. It's what everyone says we want. And... He does have a decent-sized squad, in my opinion. He just seems to have filled it with some dross. <laughs> I'm not. Let's let's not let's 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 take the positives out of this weekend. Uh, it is the cup final, but I did enjoy, it, and we're not going to dig Barry Robson out too much in this one. I did really enjoy throwing his opening gambit of his uh, post-match interview, talking about the Hecken game once again. The fact we had 24 shots on target against Hecken, and um, there was lots of talk about the fact that we were really tired because we've been playing. Uh, a lot of games across Europe recently, and it's like we've not played a game in Europe since the opening group stage game against Frankfurt, which was a while look a while away. But anyway, let's move on. We just talked about the guys who did drop in and drop out. Sorry, Gav's got something to say. I was just gonna say regarding the heck and you know, point when you're right, you're right. Stats don't lie. Numbers don't lie. They spell disaster. Well, not for heck and actually. <laughs> anyway, um we just touched on it. Povara, the only change. I thought he was a little bit unlucky to drop out for this one. Um and again. Perhaps what the performance we did see on Saturday at Hamden is a sign that it's maybe not necessarily possible to get Barron and Clarkson playing in the same team. I think you can get them playing in the same team, but I don't think you can do it by asking them to do the job that Dante Bovara has done for us in that setup. That's why I was a bit surprised. I wasn't necessarily surprised that he dropped Bovara just for the kind of Again, to use that word, the tiredness and the fact that Pulvara's kind of struggled to get past the 60-minute mark um, anytime he's played. So that's why when we talked on Thursday, I thought he might go ahead and put Duke in that position. Um, so to go ahead and put Barron in, have Clarkson playing in that kind of wide position, yeah, that's not the way to go about doing it. I do think he can play the two of them together, but that's not the way to do it. I think because what we saw in Wednesday night, Clarkson played well. It was probably his best performance of the season so far, but he was playing as a deeper lying midfielder there. He was asked to play a little bit further forward, I think, on Saturday at Hamden, with Baden playing a little bit deeper. And we did just seem to lose a little bit of that impetus just in behind Bojemiowski because of that. We did also resort to being a little bit more direct again on Saturday, which was disappointing given how well we played at Fir Park. But I think, as we said, we're not going to get too hung up, I don't think, on the nature of the performance here. We're in the final, and ultimately that's that's all that matters really, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it was a little bit disappointing just because I think I looked at Hibs and thought their midfield was very lightweight with with Joe Newell and uh, Dylan Levitt. So you would like to think that with the kind of quality we had in there with Shinny, Baden, Clarkson and McGrath that you could take more of a foothold in the centre of the park and then build play up to support Miofsky. It was definitely much more route one. We had the long throws back in as well. I don't we know if you guys yeah. noticed. Yeah. Yeah, with uh, with great effect, as Gary, I'm sure, will point out in the stats later on. <laughs> but um, yeah, again, I think you're probably right. Let's just not get hung up on the on the negatives too much here. Um, Semi final, all the matters. Yeah. Despite their territory, I thought our backline was generally fairly solid. Again, Hibbs always carried a threat. I think with the pace over the top, and we were nearly caught out with um, the run that Boyle makes 
for what was eventually chopped off for offside. But I thought on, on the whole, I thought the back three did well enough again. Each of them had key moments in the game themselves. Garten with a couple of blocks, early doors in the first half. Uh, Rubizic with a fantastic sliding, diving header tackle, which I fucking enjoyed immensely. And um, perhaps none more so than Richard Jensen's tackle on Yuan just after we taken the lead. That tackle was exquisite. Which and one are you talking about? Rubizic's. Well, <laughs> Jensen's was exquisite. It was the wee chef's kiss. And Rubizic was just so funny. So I think he obviously stumbles, but there's a there's a kind of a moment in that clip where it, it almost looks like he's sizing up. How can I take him out? Right, I'm going for it. <laughs> um, there's a man who is uh, very brave. Well, he stumbles, but he definitely does not hesitate to stick the head in as oh, an no. alternative. <laughs> it's a man who likes to head a ball. It's as simple yes. as that. Yes. Doesn't matter what height the ball's at. I think that's what caught the eye of the Tottenham scout. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess Spurs have a reputation maybe in seasons past for being a bit soft-centred. <laughs> well, this is true. It doesn't strike me, and I hate to say it, it doesn't strike me as being an Ange Postacoglu Center half, but you never know. You just never know you, these things. You, you never know. He might just need to adapt his style. I possibly, I possibly, yeah. <laughs> Jokes aside, I actually thought Rubic had a fairly decent game on on the whole. A couple of times again, he was maybe just a little bit rash trying to get into balls he can't win. What I did like about him though, there was one moment in the first half where Yuan spun him, and um, where he tried to go. In. I think early in the season, Rubic tries to bring him down, like tries to rugby tackle him. This time he. He was a little bit more... I don't think Rubicic could get any closer to him to bring him down. No, I think there's no... Because he definitely <laughs> makes contact. I think he, he's, he's a bit more clever with what he tries to do. Um, he gives away a free kick, but it's not something that gives the referee a decision about having to make a booking. And I just thought it was a little bit more... A little bit more experience just in there, potentially. Maybe I, think just, I, th- I think what you're saying is he'll learn from it. Yeah, exactly. But there were a couple of, too many occasions where he just comes charging out, dives in, and doesn't get it and doesn't really need to do that either so I think if he could work on that because the rest of it was pretty good and there were some really really good defensive headers uh, you know crosses in the box or corners and it's him getting head on it and getting decent clearances uh, as well so there was a lot to like in his performance I think just think he needs to maybe just uh, calm down with his decision making but overall uh, the defence was really pretty good actually I think this will come with experience, but yeah, he really does need to just learn to pick his moments for when to charge forward to try and win the header or intercept the ball. Because of course, the thing is that if he misses it, he's not got the pace to bring himself back into the game. So um, that's definitely something. Um, I think the Hibs goal, that wasn't a goal, is a long punt upfield. And I would expect your player offside trap, but I don't think I would expect your... um, battering ram centre back to be doing a little bit more than watching the ball fly over his head so let's just talk about the Richard Jensen tackle again though on Yuan it's unbelievable it's one of the finest tackles I've ever seen from an Aberdeen player given given the time it occurs given the circumstances everything about it beautiful it gave me the fear when I saw him jumping in (laughs) knowing that he's on a yellow as well and what this will uh, result in if they if he gets it even slightly wrong but yeah Perfect, inch-perfect tackle. Very satisfying. Perhaps a slightly quieter game for Nicky Devlin going forwards, but I do admire the fact that he celebrates every goal we score as though it's him that's like stuck one in the top bins from 30 yards. 
couple of massive blocks though at the back as well. Um, maybe not something we've seen a lot of from Nicky Devlin so far in his time at Aberdeen is defensive prowess, but there's the opportunity. In the, there's the opportunity early in the second half where the ball gets flashed across, and he he does really well not to stick that into his own net. And the block he's got on Yuan as well in the second half, again key moments in the game that that go our way. Yeah, it was it was really good. I know what you mean. Maybe not sort of charging up and down the line the way he has in other games, but I think that's partly the way Hib set up and the way they played. They probably sort of countered us quite well from that tactic. But his a couple of those clearances were absolutely brilliant, and overall, just the the shift he puts in, the work rate um, was really good and he's actually he's proven to be probably one of the better signings although he you know he's not a particularly glamorous signing I think by his own admission he's doing uh, a very good job in some ways I think Nicky Devlin's character is you can look at it as the difference between why Aberdeen win that semi-final and why Hibs don't win that semi-final because it's all about putting every last sinew that he's got in his being to winning the game uh, to make that block from the, the Vente shot and get it away, always just putting himself in and about. Uh, you compare that, you contrast that with Dylan Levitt going out for a Sunday stroll, trying to chase down Miofsky for the winning goal. You know, chalk and cheese. Um, yeah, he's been, we talked about it on Thursday. I think uh, there's a very real case to be made that he's the best signing of the season so far, for Aberdeen yeah. at least. Well, I certainly mean, in terms of value right now, it's probably between him and McGrath, I think, pound for pound, because they were freebies. Um, and they've probably been the two that have come in the door who've, performed at the highest level so far i think on a, on the negatives potentially a little bit i mean no not negatives but first up did we get away with one with roof spilling the ball and venti going over the top of him yes. at the time i thought we had as i've watched it back more and more again over the course of today i think maybe the referees actually got it right it's definitely clumsy for me it's more the point that there shouldn't even be the option or the opportunity <laughs> for venti to get in about him um i think if venti doesn't make such a meal of it that's potentially more uh, chance of being a penalty. I think maybe what saves Roos is, is the the angle, which is not from behind the goal, the other angle where you can clearly see he pulls his arms away and you can see Venti actually stops briefly and then tumbles over. I think that's maybe what saves us. But yeah, it should never have got there. Speaking of Kel Roos, how proud he would have been, Graham, of uh, Xander Clark's attempt to save Tavernier's penalty in the second semi-final today? And the free kick. I haven't seen the free kick, so... Let me tell you, that man does not move. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Statuesque, I think is how you could describe Xander Clark. Is Xander Clark a big Rangers man? I can't remember. Could be. I'm not going to throw it. What are you implying? Just inferring that he might have a, an affiliation for a team in Glasgow. That's, that's, that's all there is. Um, let's talk quickly about the, the offside decision as well, because it's attracted a lot of attention over the last 24 hours now, especially from Hibs fans, um, with some absolutely fucking mental takes out there as well about the offside um, rule. I mean, ultimately, they've got to the right decision in the end. Clearly, Boyle is offside by what is probably about a yard, actually, as it turns out. The fact that it took up to five minutes to get right, that's probably the biggest concern about the whole thing, isn't it? I think it is, but I don't really feel like you can have your cake and eat it here because what you're saying is you don't want to spend five or six minutes to get to what you think is the right call, or you, you would rather the goal was given because yeah. it would happen in real time. So it's really difficult to decide what you want. And, and obviously, it changes week week about uh, it suits us this time to take five or six minutes uh, and, it, and it bails us out but on the flip side if we were on the receiving end of that we'd be raging saying oh why the fuck's it taking five six decisions so I think it's really it's really difficult but I feel like if you're going to persist with far 
five, six minutes for an offside. Offside's the one decision that should just be yes or no. It's not subjective. It's, you know, it's a matter of fact. So there's got to be a better way or technology to be able to determine if someone is on or offside. It doesn't take some people in a van watching it and then calling over their, the referee. I mean, I think I think the reason it's taken as long as it did this time around is because how appallingly fragmented our defensive line is. I think they've had to take a bit of time to try and work out who actually is the last man. Because when you look at it, it could be one of at least three, I think. So I think they've probably taken a bit of time to actually try and figure out. So what you're saying is if we played a proper line, we might be in trouble. Possibly, yes. <laughs> um, but I think that's possibly why it's happened because when you, when you look at the still image, I mean, it, it, they're, they're going to have to set the line for the last defensive player up somewhere and they're going to have to make sure they get that right, obviously. Um, I did enjoy Nick Montgomery fucking whining about this big time about how it couldn't have been a clear and obvious decision that it was wrong when offside by definition is a clear and obvious decision. It's either yes or it's no, it's black or white. So... It's one of these, you're right, Graham, in the sense of when it goes for you, you're like, well, fine, I'm happy it takes six minutes to get to the right decision. Um, there have been some fucking mental takes. There was one Hibs fan in particular was talking about how the VAR reviews should just be done in real time. So they should just like play them at normal speed with no lines on it. And you're like, but that doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah. I, think that would take, I think that would take longer. Yeah, that, yeah, that doesn't really compute. So... <laughs> It is what it is. We've got away with it. As it turns out, he was offside hey, anyway. Hey, I mean, Hibs fans have just got to get the point that VAR is there to ensure that the bigger teams win. This is it. Absolutely. Credit to Andy McNeil for that one, I think. Um, going back on to the game itself, then we were maybe too keen. We touched on earlier on to bypass the midfields. None of the midfielders really got much of a chance to get on the ball. None of them really had an opportunity to try and make things happen. Um, that did also mean that Miofsky was cutting a distant finger for for large chunks of the game yet again. It was the polar opposite of Fair Park in that sense, where even when, against Motherwell, we did go a bit more direct to Miofsky, we were definitely getting bodies in about him to, su to support, whether that be McGrath, Pulvara, or either of the wing-backs. Um, this is definitely more the kind of game that Graham, I think, is concerned about when we play the one up top, where Miofsky's completely isolated and has to do everything by himself. So it was commented on by you know, Rory Hamilton and Michael Stewart, um, that we were just bypassing Leighton Clarkson and Connor Bannon all game. And again, that's not really what I would want nor expect, um, especially on a pitch like that against a team with the kind of players in midfield that Hibs have, you'd expect us to be a lot more dominant. So yeah, that that's a disappointing element of the way that we approach the game. I don't know if part of that is the fact that we don't really have any width you know, you can't, especially it's quite a big pitch, but you don't have the option to really play it out wide and try and get them down the line. I know Devlin will put in a shift as well, McKenzie, but it's not the same as having actual wingers in your team that can attack the opposition. And I feel like in games like, you know, there's just some games where it seems to be that we we just feel we're just going to get, get red and try and get up the pitch that way. And I feel like more often than not, it doesn't work where it does work is like uh, like Wednesday, we can start actually getting getting playing. And if we do go direct, people are there to help Mayovsky rather than just kind of leaving him on his own because he puts in a, a shift and he makes some really, really good runs. But ultimately, I don't really feel like that's the best use of his talents. 
I think part of that is the cautious nature of the manager in which, well, because I guess by the well, we did push Devlin and McKenzie really high up the park to offer that support and offer that with, I think, as you said earlier, that the the speed that the wingers of Hibs have probably left Robson yeah, thinking I would true. rather Hibs have. Better, yeah. I think we'd rather have like the full backs there rather than relying on, you know, one of the center backs to try and track one of these guys down. So I think that's the pragmatic side of Robson. I think the system allows for with to happen. But maybe it's just well, the manager. We saw it for a park. Yeah. I, th- I think as well, the way that Hart- Hibs went 4-4-2. So you've, you, as the wing backs, you have that natural concern there that you've got because of the way they've gone 4-4-2 as well. They had Yuan on the right and then Tavares, I think, left um, for the majority of the game. But you also have the, the concern that you've got overlapping fullbacks as well. Miller and Obita were both keen to get up the line. So I can see why the, our wing backs were not too keen to get too high up the park and be exposed on the counter-attack. I can see why it happened, but just a little bit disappointed that we weren't able to kind of take the game to Hibs more than allowing them to kind of come on to us, I suppose. But talking about the wingbacks, we need to kind of talk about it now. Jack McKenzie, just what the fuck is he doing? I mean, rank stupidity from a player who has, in fairness, started to perform well this season. We just spoke about it, I think, in the gate and the, 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 the preview on Thursday night, Gav, that the, the number three shirt, the left wing back role was effectively his to lose right now. Um, I think he was starting to turn a lot of people's opinions in on him round. I've seen a lot of people talk about how he's a young player, etc., acting rashly, but we also need to remember he's 23. He's, he's not a kid. He's 23. He's been in and about the first team for two and a half years now. There is plenty of experience and plenty of reason to know that what he did was fucking moronic. It's not even as though Boy Miller comes in and he like quickly like flails out an elbow. He chases Miller down to then shove him. So there's plenty of time to think, hold on a minute, what the fuck am I doing here? It's not even like Miller leaves one in on him. It's not like it's a it's a nasty tackle. Miller just rails him. Um, yeah, it was a peculiar time for McKenzie to try and do the uh, full hard man act. It's it's more stupid than Tony Stewart last season. And I never thought I would say that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I agree. Um, utter lunacy. I mean, there's, it's, it's, a, it's a niggly little push, but these things happen. And sometimes you... You do it to think, oh, he's not going to react to it. He's not going to be that stupid. And then if he takes the bait, obviously it's great because you get him sent off. But really, really, really stupid. I, I can't, I cannot understand what the thought process was. Oh, I presume there wasn't one for whatever reason. He just, he just lost it. But that was just so stupid. The very fact that no Aberdeen player complains about it tells you all you need to know. I think McGrath or someone looks at him with a look, a face of what the fuck have you just done? I think you've just, you've just sold the game. shirt yeah. and cost us this game. Yeah. Um, and you know what? Like It's a second yellow. His first, the yellow that he gets beforehand, it's a full defending as well. He'd had a pretty poor game, in my opinion. And yeah, Gareth is right. He was starting to maybe not necessarily win people around, but you know, getting on a upward trajectory as an Aberdeen player. And the shirt was his to lose. And now I don't care if I ever see that guy in an Aberdeen shirt again. All I'll say is if you're looking for omens... The last time we won the League Cup, we came from, we had 10 men after a rash red card for a fullback, relatively young fullback as well at the time in the form of Joe Shaughnessy at Fir Park. And then we went on to win that game, obviously 2-0, went on to win the trophy that season. So if you're looking for omens, maybe, just fucking maybe. That said, um, we spoke about earlier on about how the midfield really hadn't got into the game at all. But when we needed... The midfield to step up, 
boy, did they step up after that red card. Shinny initially doing what Graham Shinny does, nipping in to win the ball, drives us forward. Polvara with a wonderfully weighted ball on the deck through to feed Miofsky. And with a quick request for divine intervention as well from our American, the ball nestles nicely in David Marshall's goal. Um, an excellent piece of work from our midfield leading to that goal. We'll talk about the goal in a bit more detail about Boyamovsky in a second, but some excellent play there from our midfield. And in particular from Dante Polvara as well, who massive impact when he came in off the bench. Yeah, uh, I think we're starting to... We're starting to see a lot more, obviously not a lot more from him, he's not playing week in, week out, but when he does come on uh, this season, he's generally, he's had a positive influence. On a man the for the big occasion. Well, I think it kind of is something in that. That's why I'm probably a little surprised that he didn't start, actually. Um, but yeah, it's really, really just good kind of all-round performance when he came on. Perfect pass for Miofsky to the point where you know it's out of his feet. Miofsky's first touch, you can kind of push it forward so that if anyone's catching him, they have to take him out, or they're not catching him, one of the two, and then you know just sets himself up for the the shot. So yeah, it's really really good play. Um, maybe you know we were a little bit critical when he first arrived about is this guy any use? But the loan spell at uh, was it Charleston? Seems to have whether that's just got him a bit of fitness or confidence or self belief. I'm not. I'm not too sure. But he's come back a different player and looks like uh, a decent bit of business actually. And we signed him up to. He got an extension, didn't he? he did we were all laughing at a shoot to yeah. business? If yeah. I may say so myself. <laughs> yeah. No, I've pleased for him, um, and it's you know it does give us a another option in there as well. Um, and if he doesn't play that often. Uh, and comes into the bigger games, then, you know, from what I've seen so far, relatively small sample size, but it does look like we can start to rely on him for those bigger games. Yeah, um, I would say it's intelligent play from Shinny to intercept the ball when he does. Uh, sells new little dummy, take him out of the game, playing the ball through to Dante, and like I say, Dante's ball lets Miofsky get off and running. Um, thankfully, like I say, Dylan Levitt has obviously taken a page out of the Kel Roos tracking back versus Sitminen. <laughs> book uh so there's no danger that he was getting back there and it was one of those games where you know we didn't have a huge number of shots at goal or clear-cut chances but in that game much like the semi-final when lewis ferguson scored against rangers you just kind of know we're gonna get one chance here and luckily for us it fell at the guy that we wanted it to that's a fantastic finish yes and we're gonna talk about that in a second but gav i think we do need to wheel out jamie mcgrath board right now um I thought McGrath had a decent game, to be fair. Um, uh, I don't think the scoreboard changes. Four and a half to three. It remains as it was. Or is it five and a half to four? Is it a, just a point each? No, no. Four and a half to three. Four and a half to three. I no, thought McGrath... Nil, nil poids dished out either I way. Thought he had a, I thought he had a decent game. I thought he had a decent game, especially that first half, uh, where he had a couple of really good interceptions. You know, it's him that tackles as a Miller to set Miofsky on his way in the first half. Um, and he put in a decent shift and some other good moves. So I thought he had a really, yeah. really decent game. I think Gav's doing him dirty here. I'd, I'd have gone five and a half. But I think Gav's games. concerned, like another couple right, of points, okay. and he gets to keep him. Uh, yeah, all right, okay. If it's, if it's going to make you guys satisfied, okay, the scoreboard has changed to five to three. You've given him a half point. Well, go, go that far. All right, Meltzer. If there was blood, there would be another star. Fair enough. Um, speaking about then the moment, Another fantastic moment in the scrapbook career that has been Boyamiowski at Aberdeen. 
memories again for me here about the semi-final against St. Johnston in that run to the League Cup as well in 2014. I was utterly convinced as soon as it broke to him and he was racing on goal, he was scoring that one. Yeah, tend to agree. I thought the same about five minutes later. <laughs> We're going to talk about that in a second. Let's talk about the good <laughs> Um yeah, I mean, there's nothing more I need to really say about Miofsky that I've not already said. He's just absolute class. But what I really enjoyed about this goal was the celebration and what this clearly means to a guy who you kind of have to assume on a number of levels is looking at Aberdeen as a stepping stone to bigger and better things. But you can tell that the club in the shortest space of time he's been here means a lot to him, uh, the opportunities we've given it to him. And I think, as he said, this is his first cup final he'll ever play in. Um, so just that his reaction when he scores his reaction at full time when we're celebrating you know it's like this guy was born in you know insert Aberdeen Street here <laughs> I now can't think my mind has gone completely blank all of a sudden you can't think of a street in Aberdeen brilliant Liz. I can't even like think he was of born a on Union Street, Aberdeen. street. Like there was, we go who lives on Union Street anywho um, where's Davy Cormack from again Garthy <laughs> like he was born in Garthy next to the Cormacks Graham, I mean, Gavin and I, we spoke about again on Thursday night. Um, the good news is that the cup final is in December, so he will still be here. <laughs> because are we now in the final kind of two months of, of Boyomiovsky's time at Aberdeen, or do you think we were able to persuade him that he hangs around until the summer at the very least? Uh, I, well, it depends what way you want to look at it. I mean, there's no persuading required. He's got a contract. So he's here until someone turns up the dump truck full of money, I guess. And I'm not sure that'll actually happen in January. Um, I don't really want to think about that because that'll just give me sleepless nights. It would be good if you hung about for a tenant Scottish Cup as well, wouldn't it? It certainly would be. Get the double before he heads off for his million pound move, uh, multi-million pound move. No, um, he's been really, really good since he arrived. And you look at the probably the number of goals he's scored this season in a team that's not always really helping him out. Uh, I think his overall play has improved. I think he's a better, he was never selfish, but I feel like he's, he's a better team player. You know, he makes some really, really good runs uh, on and off the ball. He gets hold up plays a little bit better. Um, and he's good at bringing teammates into the game. I think he's just an all round excellent footballer and a really, really good team player as well. And yeah, like Gavin said, when the ball, when Pavara plays that ball through to him, you see all the space he's got and the sort of lackluster tracking back from Hibs, so you know he's going to have time in the box. I was just thinking, like, I'm absolutely certain he's putting this away. Uh, and then I was absolutely was delighted that he, that he did. I think it's a really, really good finish uh, as well, actually. Yeah, he's 28 and 60 now for Aberdeen um, in his career. So, it's, you know, basically one one every two games is, 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 is his record at the moment. And, you know, you remember he went through a bit of a spell middle period of last season after World Cup break where he wasn't quite as it's prolific. Like this where Duke almost came, swapped boots or something, yeah, didn't he? Stepped in, um, and you're right. He's playing in an Aberdeen team at the moment who don't we don't create a lot of chances. Like we 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 went through the numbers I think the other week when we looked at in terms of chances created in the in the league. We're one of the lowest ranked teams at this moment in time, and you know, three shots on target yesterday. Um, two of them, I think, come from Miofsky, um, and they kind of come out of nothing, really. It's not like we could really create yeah. them. Um, it's a fantastic um, return from 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 the guy. We just did talk about it. He should have had a second. Um, oh. I, I do admire the confidence to try the chip. 
I was already celebrating, and then when I saw that was awful I. effort, I was absolutely raging. When you saw the ball trundle, and I mean trundle over, yes, yes, I, I, I absolutely thought that was that. He barely got the ball over. off the ground. I know. I couldn't. I honestly couldn't believe it. I honestly, I was thinking like one 0 if we can get through this, because there was still, you know, enough time left to change. Stuff. You know, this is going to be really tough. And as soon as he was through, he was like, yes, Kuna, we've absolutely got away with one here. We've been terrible. And then I just see the ball <laughs> trundling towards the corner of back. I was like, what the hell has that happened? It's all uh, you're asking him to do is just outside of the left foot. Early yeah. about David Marshall, game over. Thank you very much. I don't even think yeah. he needs to do it. He just needs to put the laces through it, I think, and it's a goal. Um, uh, yeah, like I say, he, I mean, he does love, he fucking loves a chip. He does love a so, dink, to be fair, uh, yeah. Can't take away from the guy, but yeah, that was maybe not the right decision at that time. At least we can laugh about it now. This is at the, time, at the time I thought, I was not chuckling. Talk, <laughs> talk about a way to potentially go from like hero to zero if like we inevitably <laughs> if, the they, if they've broken yeah. on us uh, and, you know, equalized, and then obviously with the extra man, et cetera, et cetera, you'd be, despite everything else that's happened in the game, You'd have been looking at McKenzie, but more more than that, you'd have been looking at Mayowski because that was an absolute guilt edge chance. And he, he did not make the right decision. So yeah, it's good that we can have a, a wee look back and, and laugh about it. But like on a serious note, actually, I mean the, there was that effort he had uh, it was against Hecken where he was yeah. through, and he had another one against was it maybe Helsinki? Can't remember. He's had a couple of high profile misses over the course of the season, so he does need to. I mean, like, extremely critical here. More often than not, holy fucking there. shit! What the fuck is going on here? Well, it's, you, he's he's been excellent, but he has, yeah, uh, he has missed some high-profile chances. Was it against Heck and he hit the post when he tried to curl it? Um, I don't even think he hits the post. I'm, I'm thinking of the one where he. Oh, he bends it around the post. It was against Heck yeah. because I think if you if you Duke has the chance first half one on one. Duke has the excellent chance, yeah, and Mielski has cleaned yeah. through the game's um, a bit different. and misses. So anyway, I'm being extremely critical. Overall, an excellent performance from him. And straight in to take a selfie uh, the final whistle as well. Kids these days. What more do you want? Right then. When we sat down to record seven days ago, we were all talking about how massive and how critical a week this was for Barry Robson um, coming off the back of that horror show at Rugby Park. Um, two wins out of two. Against Muddle and Hibbs. I mean, that, that certainly means there's absolutely no chance now that his role is at risk until at least after the cup final itself. I think we could probably lose every game between now and the cup final. I think he would remain in situ at that point. We now have to hope there's been a couple of there's been a couple of moments through the course of the season so far where we've looked at performances or or results. But now you've got to hope that Robson and the squad can use this week as a launching point now for the rest of the campaign. We're we're coming to the back end now of the European campaign. And Robson's correct in this from this perspective, and you can laugh about it all you want. Okay, we're not now after the result today with um, Dundee beating Livingston, but we were, as of yesterday, top six, had been playing games in Europe. We were in a cut final. That was not a bad early start to the season. But yeah, you've got to hope now this is the chance to try and really, really kick on, hopefully. And it gives us, I can't believe I'm going to say this, I, I watched, the, um, watched the game back again today and um, kind of agreeing a little bit with... Fuck me, I feel dirty saying Feeling a little agreeing with Neil Lennon oh, at the end of the game where he just talked to Barry Robson about how it gives the whole squad now something to aim towards this final, you know, really something that everybody in the squad will want to be part of. And you like to think that will allow us to kick on. 
you notice how quiet Andy Constantine was when he was talking about Aberdeen's success? Yes. Awkward AF, by the way. Bit. Uh, between that and Barry Robson and Scott Brown's little romance yeah. about his newfound hair. Um, yeah, I think it just comes down to, you know, we've got two very tough games coming up now with Pout and then Celtic. Um, so we kind of have to hope that we can maybe just try and take some positivity out of those results um, and performances. And then, I'm going to cringe when I say this, but we are coming to the end of the Thursday-Sunday routine uh, soon enough so hopefully in the second half we can just kind of stay in and about where we are then we can use the second half of the season to you know build our league position and hopefully finish up where we where we aim to be i hope that this week does serve as that springboard in the way that we hoped that the performance against frankfurt and their win at ibrox would have done but then of course we had some really disappointing performances and equally disappointing results so it's been such a mixed bag, it's impossible to predict, but you're obviously right. I mean, that's Robson rightfully in charge at the very least until the final, and hopefully we can start to see the kind of results and the performances that we hoped we would. We'll come and talk about listeners' corner in a minute or two, but interestingly, because Robson was bemoaning after the game the fact that the League Cup final was scheduled to be three days after we play Frankfurt in the final group game in the Conference League. That's definitely one of the bonuses about the fact that Hearts just lay down to their big brothers today at Hamden again is the fact that <coughs> Sevco are also in European action that Thursday night. They're actually travelling. They're in Betis. It's, it's too, no, no. It's too soon for this. It's too I'm, soon. Let me just stop, your, stop it, your chat. It won't be a good time to play them. It won't make a blind bit of difference. I'm not saying it's a good time to play them, but what I'm saying is at least they will come into the game having played on the Thursday night as well, unlike Hearts who have come into the game not having played for a week. That was all saying. And they have to travel. And we know that travelling is... Difficult. Yeah, but we've got to travel from Aberdeen. Yeah, we've, got to, we've got to travel <laughs> to for the Thursday night game. Indeed, indeed. We're traveling all over Europe. Okay. Anywho, um, it could have been just, just you know, just these little things. Um, are you actually on that? Here's a serious point. Are you up for us playing effectively a team of kids against Frankfurt to protect ourselves for the cup final? Does he have a big enough squad for that? I mean, we, we might actually, we might, we might see Ordadia play at Pataudry in a proper game. I'm not counting the one against the <laughs> I think if you don't, if you don't win on Thursday, then obviously it's total ties for Europe, regardless of what you can do against Helsinki. I'm premising so, this on the fact we don't take six points out of the next two yes, European games. Yes, you're pessimist. You don't know. want to, you don't want to get embarrassed in any game, but I think you'd be stupid not to be looking at the final uh, and if that means he has to put out, yeah, a quote-unquote weaker team, I don't see, I don't see why you wouldn't. I mean, my boots are broken in from Friday, from oh, Thursday night at five. No. So you know, I want my money back <laughs> if you get anywhere near that team. Hashtag, just saying. Um, you would get lynched. You'd never get out of that stadium. <laughs> <laughs> Let's um, for for a change. It's quite good. Usually when we do listeners' corner, we bring uh, ask people to come on and have a chat or leave us their voice notes. Um, it usually tends to be off the back of horrendous results. So um, not all of them can be used. Not all of them can be used. <laughs> um, there's a couple in particular that definitely couldn't be used. Um, but today we've got a selection of three. There was one from Bellsley Bill, who just came on and shouted "Mon the Broch." Um, <laughs> so, uh, you want to listen to that? Yes, let's please. listen to it. Up oh, the fucking butter. Butter, sorry. There we go. 
There's a lot of Aberdeen fans who have the Brock as their kind of like second team. I don't understand this. I can get it if you come from up that neck of the woods, but there's a lot of them people don't seem to come from up there. I'm very bemused by this. Anyway, never mind. Let's 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 go to a couple more. Um, I was going to say slightly serious ones. Who knows? Let's find out what happens. Uh, Ian Taylor. What a win, boys! That was superb. Because for an hour, I thought we were fucked because we were absolutely shite. <laughs> then Danny Pavara comes on and he just completely changes the game. For me, he now has to be one of the first names in the team sheet because every time he play, plays in these big games he always delivers and he just bosses up midfield do you think we should be starting him every game now because he's making it impossible he's making it seem impossible for him to be dropped I'd like to know your thoughts on this cheers we spoke about Povara briefly earlier on should we now nickname him A the postman because he delivers and B should he be playing or should he be a first name on the team sheet? For me, it's becoming difficult to argue against it now, which at the start of the season, I would have probably looked at you and said you were mental if that was <laughs> going to be where we'd get to in November. <laughs> no disrespect to Dante, he's been fucking brilliant, but with yeah, it, he's the man for the big occasion. We've already talked about it. I think we'll see a lot more of him in the next three games, given it's PAOK, Celtic, and then Rangers for that exact reason. Then we'll probably end up playing this kind of 5-4-1 setup. And I think in that formation... It's kind of almost tailor-made for him. So with that, if that's going to be the way forward, absolutely. I think it's a much better combination of the midfield rather than, you know, McGrath, Shinny, and then both of Barron and Clarkson. Yeah, I think my only reservation is how many games how many cars you can actually the boy play. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's probably just how many, how many 90 minutes does he have in the moment, how many, well, well, that's kind of where I'm going. Um, but then, hopefully, if he's, you know, if that if he strengthens the team and, he, and it definitely looks like he does, then you know the team's in a winning position and you can start to make your changes and and take players off. So I've been, it's been really impressive, sort of start to the season and sort of redemption, really, hasn't it? From him, I'll be honest, when he got loaned out to the battery, I was kind of assuming that was probably that. Uh, I know we'd heard the the rumor mill that Robson was kind of like, no, no, this is the guy for me. Ramadan can go because I rate Bovar and he'll be playing, and didn't really see that to start with. But actually, kind of looks like there's something something in that. So it was really, really good. I think it's also probably credit to Bovar as well. I mean, he's moved over here, trying to establish himself. You know, didn't quite go according to plan initially. I guess he could have said, I could just, I'll, I'll go home and I'll just play there. But whether that option was available to him or whether we were saying, look, go and get some fitness, some confidence, come back and, you know, you will get game time because we believe in you. I don't really know how it all happened. But I, th- I always think when in a situation like that, there's a, it's too easy for the players to be like, ah, yeah, I'm under contract and I'll sit there. Yeah, yeah. or ah, it's not for me. And he's, it looks to me like he's decided, no, no, I, I really want to make a go of, go of this. So I'll go away get some game time, come back, and then, you know, he's starting to take the opportunities as they're presented to him. And I think he does make it, probably gives Robson a tricky decision because he's he's got some good midfielders to pick from. And it kind of doesn't really matter who you leave out, you're leaving out some decent players. I think it definitely speaks to the faith that Robson has in Dante that you could imagine a situation where Robson looks at the game and the way it's panning out and throws Duke on and we go 3-5-2 or even put Duke in uh, the position uh, that 
Dante goes into. So the fact that Polvara is his kind of first choice substitute, I think shows the level of faith that he has in him. And yeah, he's making it impossible to not consider him for, for the selection. I think it was Chidi, um, Frino Quali earlier on, just, you know, it was the, the, the Dante Povar redemption arc is an all-timer, and it very well could be. Other thing is, he seems like a good loon, right? So that's always good. He seems like a nice lad, so great to see it. And also, I fucking loved at the back end of the celebrations yesterday when the team were all waited, run up and, like, cheer with the support. But Dante was up at the halfway line for some reason, and he fucking sprints the length of the, the pitch to make it there. And just slides his way into the, the footage. Lovely stuff. Top man. Keep it going, Dante. Um, let's see what Bob. I love it. There's two Bob. We've got two Bobs left. Bob. Bob Moore has to say. So do you guys think you are standing there just take taking it all in, taking all the, the glorious dawnsness of it? Is he maybe thinking of a move to up, up, up north to Aberdeen from the next? <laughs> I don't know. If Bob, I don't know if Bob's heard, but we don't use wingers. So what the fuck could we use <laughs> Leuan for? <laughs> it was quite. It's like he's just very odd. It's like yeah. he's short circuited. Yeah, I saw a lot of people that was, thought it was quite funny. Maybe that's what uh, Pavara was doing in the halfway line, just a factory reset. Maybe who knows? Just switch him off and switch him back on again to see what happens. <laughs> it was so rest of the hips players are down the tunnel, aren't they? So that's what yeah. I was going to say. It's, it's weird that his team is just like, oh yeah, he's broken again. <laughs> Call tech support. Someone will come in there and fix him. Very, very, very strange. Poor bastard. Poor bastard. And he's <laughs> probably sitting there looking at that and thinking, just probably thinking, how the hell did Jensen get back on me? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Absolutely right. Bobby Soggy's biscuit. I love the. I love the name. Right here we go. We're there. We're in the final. We did what needed to be done. Can't ask for more than that. Wasn't necessarily pretty. However, don't care. We're in the final. That's all that matters. Um, Jack McKenzie. I actually feel sorry for the boy. He's first final of his career probably and he's going to miss it. Just sheer stupidity. Lewis Miller has never really ruffled feathers with me before. Um until yesterday, but he's now made the list of top tier <laughs> roasters. He's <laughs> quite close to Stuart Kettlewell in that manner. Um, yeah, I just delighted. I'm rough as a badger's arse, but it's well <laughs> worth it. Boy, Amiowski, what can we say? I thought Barry's log holes were in for a proper rattling after he scored that, but uh, he just managed to catch himself. Stand free, we're in the final. It's all that matters. Now that also Jamie's Jamie was about to point out to us during the week thing about Barry's unnerving habit of just digging in his lug whenever he's on the interviews and he, he nearly he caught he did it and then caught himself in the in the post matcher. Um Lewis Miller, he's just made the list. We we need to do a segment of the, the roasters list. The top like tier, it. you know what? Top tiers tiers are like yeah. a big thing on YouTube. So yeah, maybe we could do that sometime. Sounds like a plan. Sounds like a not, plan. Not um, a roaster. He was average quite, roaster. Top tier yeah, roasters. Exactly. But he was just kind of going around chucking himself to the deck most of the game. I know. Who does he think he is? Duke? It was very funny the fact that like we, we managed to well that he did it again in the run up to the goal. I was well yeah. up for that. Yeah. Anywho, right, there we go. Um <clears throat> let's finish things off here talking about that one. I can't believe it, boys. We're in the fucking final. Did you, you 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 boys enjoyed this as well when the the 
the, the video of Shinny during the week came out just in the whole how he likes to listen to podcasts that, that involve dark times for people. Um, and I was like, wait, we've got 132 episodes if you want to listen to people going through dark times. <laughs> um, I was just delighted to find out that he doesn't rank the high performance podcast in his favorite yeah, podcast. Yeah, but he does listen to James English. So that was very disappointing. It's not, I just it's not noticed great, he was but, uh, uh, sitting in a Maserati. I don't know if that's his or if that's just like the cinch car that you do it in. I think it's Rylands, I think. Oh, yeah, he's probably got enough money to get one of them. Yeah, I'd imagine so. Um, if if it's Graham Shinney's car, then we're paying far too much. That's all I'm going to suggest. No, no, I think Derby were. I think that's why they've got no money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can talk about the final. Fucking hell, boys. It's, um, it's one of these things, isn't it? It's, it's moments, again, as an Aberdeen fan. The thing is, when I feel that as horrendous as an actual footballing performance Saturday was... As Gav said earlier on, there's something beautiful about a shithousey one they'll win in those circumstances. And the goal from Yonski will live long in the memory, I think. Um, on that, wrap things up for this one, topped on from Saturday's performance at Hampden Park. Um, there are lots to choose from, mm. with a couple of exceptions. Everyone was generally pretty good, but I'm going to go full sponsor. He gave it to Yonski because he scored. And I actually did have a, yeah, a, good game a decent game all round. Did. Yeah, I thought Jensen and Garman both did their work very, very well when they needed to be, and both made crucial interceptions. But yeah, we don't win that game without Boyamiowski. Yeah, the part of me wants to give it to Richard Jensen because I think the tackle on Yuan is just as important as the goal. Um, and he also put in a real shift when he went to left back as well when when we went there ten men. But it's hard not to give it to Boyan, isn't it? I mean, it's just goals win games and games win trophies points mean prizes or something like that <laughs> so yeah Boya Miowski unbelievable we're in a cup final middle of December who the fuck schedules a cup final for the week before Christmas by the way what the fuck Sunday <laughs> as well once once again I don't know if this is his fault but I'm just going to assume it is Neil Doncaster is the answer <laughs> yes probably who cares we'll be there um, bring it on let's move on other news for me be 24 this week there's been such busy, busy week with the football. So there's very little chat outside of the football itself. So we'll quickly rattle on to talk about the Quines. A return to SWPL, one action for the Quines this week as they travel to Motherwell to take on the Steel Women. And the Dons, without Nadine Hansen, obviously, um, no longer available for the rest of the season after she announced her pregnancy um, recently. So congratulations to her and to Kel Roos. Francesco Ogilvy also missing out through illness, which meant that uh, Hannah Stewart took the captain's armband. We also saw Darcy Miller, Phoebe Murray and Hannah Innes all come into the starting level for what could have been potentially a very tricky tie at Mull, but not to be the Dons running out by five goals to two winners this afternoon. Bailey Hutchison with four of the goals this afternoon, which also her her third goal, the hat-trick one, saw her notch up her 100th goal for the club as well. Darcy Miller with the fifth goal. Motherwell with uh, a goal either side of halftime in the last few minutes. That's a fantastic result for the the side after a few weeks off and, and running out a little bit of players as well, thanks to injury. And then obviously, like you said there, with Nadine Hansen's pregnancy coming um, out of the blue as well. That's an unbelievable result for them down at Motherwell today. Yeah, a really, really good result. Didn't even have the old ex-player curse either. So I think Bailey Collins only picked up a booking, no goals. Uh, really, really good result. And I think, did you say seventh in the table? And I think we've got a game in hand on quite a few of the, the teams as well. So 
I think it's been they got a really good start, and then I suppose really unlucky with a couple of injuries to the yeah, I was going to say flagship signings, but like a couple of the signings that were really quite impressed to get uh, out injured, and then it you know form kind of dipped in the results as well. So I think that's a really really good really good result, and with that game in hand, actually if you can if you can pick up the three points there, you know table starts to look quite interesting, and more importantly if you can pick up the three points. Yeah, given hand, maybe you just start to find a little bit of form and momentum again. Uh, I guess with Nadine being out, probably going to give the manager a bit of a headache as to how does he replace him, what does he do? But then, you know, it's an opportunity for someone else who maybe wouldn't have got that many minutes to go and show what they can do. So uh, really, really good to see, actually. It's always nice when both teams are winning. Yeah, absolutely. You're right, Graham. Up to seventh now in the league, uh, game in hand, which comes against Park Thistle. And, and the kind of leagues, I think we spoke about the start of the season. Um, it's a kind of an odd league with... There's kind of two leagues know, within it. Well, it kind of is because you've got the full-time teams with vast resources, basically, compared to everyone yeah. else. And then you've guess you've got the one, you know, teams like us with a mixture of what are they, semi-pro contracts and sort of part-time. And then you've got the the part time, so it's it's a slightly odd situation, but uh, nonetheless, I'm saying it's, it's two leagues. There's, kind of, there's almost three leagues. Well, actually. that's kind of what you, I mean. There's got, the you've got the Glasgow teams. There's, there's Hearts and Hibs who are effectively against themselves and the money they throw at their teams. Yep. Then you kind of got everybody else, um, yeah, to a certain extent. Maybe some teams with a little bit less resources than others. So, if Aberdeen were to win that um, game in hand, they would be level points and with Thistle in sixth spot, and that would be kind of top of. The, the top of the bottom half, so to speak. So, yeah, I think that would be a decent outcome, uh, considering some of our bigger signings, unfortunately, picked up injuries. It's been interesting to see how things would have been going had they remained fit. But uh, no, a good, good three points. And um, just to round off, uh, what has been a fantastic overall weekend for the football club, um, the young team back in action as well on Friday afternoon. It was, of course, actually they who kicked off the weekend in style um, as they smashed. Hamilton Ackies by four goals to one at Cormac Park. Ackies, of course, who were actually last season's cast under 18 league winners, dispatched back to Hamilton uh, thanks to Hatchet from Fraser Mackey and then a fine finish from Cammy Wilson. So the young team back to the top of the table as well. So well done to them. Well done to everybody involved with the football club this weekend. Three wins on the door. Lovely, lovely stuff. On to Lone Watch. Kieran Nguyenia at Park Thistle, no place in the matchday squad for Nguyenia as Thistle beat his former team, Arbroath, by three goals to one at Gayfield in the Champo. Evan Towler in Montrose, no appearance in the squad once again. It, could somebody somewhere please confirm what is happening with Evan Towler this season? Montrose, though, smashed just Edinburgh by five goals to one in League One at the Meadowbank Stadium. Alfie Babbage. He got another 90 minutes under his belt as Kelty and Annan battered out a Desmond at Gallabank in League One as well. Aaron Reid at Peterhead, he came off the bench for the final four minutes as Peterhead beat East 5-2-0 at Balmour to maintain their place at the top of League Two. Liam Harvey and Blair McKenzie for Elgin City both started. McKenzie subbed on 49 minutes. Harvey subbed on 69 as Elgin were beaten again, this time by Stranraer in League Two. 3-1 to Stranraer in that one. Dylan Lobbin and Adam Emsley for Martin United. Starts for both is for Martin 1 again, 1-0 this time at Christie Park over Huntley in the Highland League. Finlay Murray at Turriff United, another start, another 90 minutes for him as Turriff fell to a 2-1 defeat at Nairn County in the Highland League. Kevin Hanratty, no game for Bucky as their Highland League fixture with Keith was rained off. Big game next week, of course, in the Highland League 
with the locals against Bucky Thistle in Inverurie. Jaden Richardson for Stockport County, a start and an assist for him as Stockport County beat Worksop 5-1 in the FA Cup. And Anthony Stewart, another week, another missed squad for Big T as the MK Dons were beaten by Reading in the London commuter town Derby by three goals to two in the FA Cup. Will that do us, boys, for this first half? Yes. Lovely stuff. This episode of the APZ Football Podcast is brought to you by Don Co on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. Enjoy freshly topped donuts, coffee, milkshakes, soup, pies, bagels, and much, much more available every day of the week. Come along and enjoy their daily deals such as black coffee and a mini donut for just one pound or a bagel and a soft drink for only a fiver. Join the guys seven days a week on Belmont Street between eight and eight and available 24-7 at yourdonutshop.com. Welcome back to the ABZ Football Podcast. And before we move on to preview our trip to Thessaloniki on Thursday, just a quick shout out to those of you who continue to make your contributions to the Beer and Coffee Fund, including Scott B. Scott B. Is that Scott Brown? <laughs> Has he got money to spare after the old hair transplant? That's surely not a hair transplant. What was it again? A little bit of the old Demoxenol treatment. Demoxenol, thank you. There we go. <laughs> and Grant Stephen. Grant Stephen. Thank you very much. We see you, we acknowledge you, your bread's appreciated. If you'd like to help keep us fueled in beers or coffee, please head on over to ko-fi.com forward slash ABZ football podcast. It is absolutely much appreciated. So, uh, lads, back onto European stuff again. This shit just never ends. Match day four of our Conference League campaign rolls around on Thursday evening with the Dons making the trip to Greece for the second time in our history. Of course, the last time. A 3-0 defeat to Panathinaikos back in the UEFA Cup group stages in 2007. And since our 3-2 collapse to Paoke a week past Thursday, the Greeks have suffered a defeat at the hands of AK Athens in the Greek Super League. But they did follow that up on Sunday afternoon with one impressive away victory at Olympiakos. Four goals to two, they were 4-0 up at one point in this one. Pauk now up to fourth in the table in Greece. Obviously, we've played them so recently that we should be well, well aware of the threats that uh, give us. Although one would imagine they may be a different animal at home compared to the side we saw at Batodre. They are unbeaten at home in the league so far this season. Played five, won four, drawn one, lost none, four, ten. They've only conceded one goal so far in the league. So far in the Conference League this season at home, they're also unbeaten. Played four, won three. Drawn one, that includes the 4-0 scudding that they dished out to Hearts in the playoff round and a 2-1 win over Eintracht in the group stages as well. So, I mean, we saw at Pataudry the big threat or big talent, as it would appear, is the attacking midfielder Giannis Constantelias. Uh, we definitely need to keep close tabs on, on him, I think it's fair to say. Definitely. He's a, he's a real talent. Um, the problem with someone like him is just when you've got a player with the kind of skill and quick feet that he does, there's only so much you can do to keep tabs on him, especially when he gets uh, get the ball in the penalty area. You can't really risk touching him. I think on the night at Pataudry, you saw that PAOK, they've got some some good players and they you know have a very good passing game. And I expect this to be a really, really stiff test. You know, your record at home is 
incredibly impressive. 10 goals scored in five games, only one conceded. So you can imagine that they're going to have a whole lot of the ball and we're going to have to be extremely disciplined as we were for the first 75 minutes of the game with them at Pataudry to stand a chance of taking anything out of this game. Yeah, I think it's going to be really difficult, isn't it? The best chance was definitely the game at Pataudry. I'm not really too sure what to expect. I, I would imagine we will go there not really with we'll a great go deal of ambition. Mm, not so sure about that. I think we'll go there. You know, obviously we'll try and make it difficult, but I'm not sure that's really going to work for us. In the run-up to the home game, we, we touched on a few of their kind of key players. And I think on the whole, actually, at Patojo, we kind of kept a lot of them pretty quiet. You know, the likes of um, Andrea uh, Zivkovic, who we'd, we'd warned could be a, a real threat. Brandon, who played up front um, in the number nine role, uh, again, at Patojo as well. But both of those players on the score sheet against uh, Olympiacos as well during the week, or sorry, earlier on today. So uh, you do imagine that some of these players that we highlighted might come a little bit more to the fore, I think, when we expect uh, to to be a little bit more on the front foot and be a little bit more dominant, I I, I would expect. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. They're at home. They'll, obviously, they've beaten us at Pataudry. They'll see this as as three points that they probably should be getting. So I think... I think it's going to be a long night. Yeah, not to mention, obviously, they've taken nine points from their first three. Win yep. this game, they're qualified through to the next round and they can think about resting players in the remaining group games. So I don't think there's any chance they're going to be taking it lightly. And I think also they'll recognise that they got out of jail in a big way at Pataudry and they'll probably want to put a marker down to show that they are, I guess, in their minds, a vastly superior team to Aberdeen. Yeah. I mean, I fully expect us to go with pretty much the same shape that we went with at home um in terms of personnel though do you do you expect any major changes from what we saw uh against Hibs at Hamden I could envision Dante coming back into the squad for the reasons we've talked about earlier and I think he does provide a little bit more uh without the ball um even just with his size and set pieces and I think he's just maybe just a little bit more disciplined um and will be more willing to press as we've seen um if we get the opportunity to break he's willing to get forward and support the strikers as he did against um frankfurt and i think i've got a feeling that robson will have taken a very dim view of what mckenzie did on saturday and i can see him dropping him and in that case then johnny hazel come into the game that might make it a long night that's the two changes i see happening I mean, Graham, you touched on all things being equal, our chance of progression at the group stages are now extremely, extremely slight. Should we really be considering resting some players for this one, do you think? Not at this stage. There's still a glimmer of hope. So, uh, And anyway, what are we resting them for? <laughs> to get pumped at sort of park on something. Well, yeah, so <laughs> why would you rest them? I, I, I don't think so. We should go and... And, and anyway, people are still travelling. People have paid their money to go and watch... This is uh, true. that game, so I don't really think they should be getting shortchanged personally. The Frankfurt game, I feel like it's different. Uh, you know, your final game is probably ties by then. It's at home. You got the cup final to look forward. I think people would look at that and say it makes sense to maybe not take any chances and maybe rest some people. But at this stage, people have spent the money. I don't think it's appropriate to uh, make too many changes to your team that makes it obviously not competitive 
I also don't want us to go after the week we've just had, you know, beating Motherwell, beating Hibs, getting to the final, going and taking an absolute hammering in Greece. Yeah, because... And it's... you know what? That might happen if we play our full-strength team and, and PAOK, you know, show up and do the business like they did against Hearts in the qualifiers. But you have to give yourselves as much of a chance to go in and get something out of the game and have, at the worst, you know, be respectable in defeat. Okay. Um, I think it could be quite a long evening potentially it is going to be a long game i look forward to seeing the final possession stats yeah yeah i think it could be quite a quite a long one but then hey listen we saw and you know we went to frankfurt and we performed well against eintracht over the 90 minutes and maybe there's something in this team that they can just kind of raise their game that little bit when when they are the massive underdogs so well they're going into it off the back of some confidence must be higher in the squad than it would have been we get the win in the league into a cup final, that's got to surely that's got to get people sort of focused and motivated and give everyone a bit of a lift. Whether that's enough to actually make a difference, I suppose we'll we'll find out on Thursday. But um, I don't think we should be going into that game. I know we've been a little bit negative. I'm not really sure we're going to get something out of it, but I'm sure the players don't look at it that way. And and you know, nor should they. We we should have beaten them at home. I'd like to see them go this game with what an element of revenge out of that game, to be honest. We should have taken three points in that one. I know it's different home and away and all the rest of it, but like you said, we kept we kept their better players quiet. And I think for that sort of first half in particular, even 10, 15 into the second before we scored, they were kind of just passing the ball around in front of us. It didn't really cause us too many problems. And then just basically that long diagonal out to the right uh, to try and get the ball into the box. So I think we demonstrated that we we can be competitive with them. It's just whether we can basically remain focused for 90 minutes when you're probably going to be under a fair bit of pressure. Um, but, you know, then we will get chances and with Mayovsky, you've got a half-decent chance of uh, making the most of them. So, I don't know, maybe we can maybe we can do something. I mean, it'd be a hell of a result uh, if you could get something out of that and that would just, you know, hopefully really yeah. get yeah. into the league campaign. I know you're going to Celtic, so it's probably not the game you would want after that. Uh, but you got to play them sometimes. So if you get out of the way, hopefully confidence still high. We can maybe just start making some inroads in terms of league position. You know, the the fans saw a lot in the performance against Frankfurt, and even though we lost that game, I think we took a lot more positives than the negatives out of it. We've worked really hard to get ourselves into Europe to play teams like this in in venues like this. So it's a chance for our players to go and express themselves show them what show us what they've got um put themselves in the window for potentially transfers down the line and we you know as it stands the chances of getting out of the group are still very very slight but they're still there so let's go ahead and see what we can do and i did notice robson and lennon commenting about the thing that people don't take into consideration with europe is the emotion that's drawn from these games so maybe like on the Aberdeen bus on the way back, it should be more of a theme tune from Shaft and a little bit less exit music for a film by Radiohead. <laughs> Excellent stuff. Right, um, predictions then for, for Thursday night in Greece. Oh, 6-0 PA, okay. There we go, lovely stuff. <laughs> Straight in there. Um, uh, you know what? 2-1 um, defeat. Midder performance of uh, Frankfurt. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say 1-1. One, one. I'm going to say he's going to go for a 1-0 win to the Dons. I'm going to say a 2-2. Okay. At Desmond. Um, and yeah, 
that'll be that'll be that. But hey, there we go. Um, so we agreed earlier on we're going to talk. We're going to come back later in the week, um, after the POK game to talk about that one, and then we'll preview the Celtic game. So that's going to wrap up this week's episode of the ABZ FP. Thanks for joining us as always. Please remember to like, subscribe, follow whatever you might do on your podcast player of choice. Uh, join us next time. I think Gav, it's just gonna be you and I, Graham. You're not here Thursday night, I don't think. If am I right? School I night, Graham's out of commission. Disappointing. Yeah, I don't think I can manage. Disappointing stuff. We don't get those one-liners that go viral as a result of that. But hey, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> there we are. Um so join us next time on the episode 134 of the show, where we will uh, look back over hopefully what will have been a glorious result and not a Greek tragedy in Thessaloniki. And we'll preview our trip to Celtic Park on Sunday afternoon in the Cinch. We look forward to seeing you then. Stand free. This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast was brought to you in association with Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. Head into the bar, quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pint of Foster's, £4 pint of Moretti, or £5 pint of Fierce any day of the week, including match days. Siberia is open seven days a week, all year round, and the bar is located only 30 seconds walk from the nearest bus stop taking supporters to Stadium for free on match days. Come on, you Reds!